The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. It was a real pleasure for me to come and join with you. We've known Brian a little bit, but Marg used to work at Grace City Church and on staff. So, and then through that we met Brian and then been linked. And so he's shared a bit about your church and your fellowship together. And so it's a joy for me to come and meet with you today and just share a few of the things that I'm seeing God opening up. Folks, this is the time for the Christians. If ever there was a time in the world for us, it's now. When everything's being shaken, that's when people become open. But the key is we've got to be geared up to grab the moment because this moment won't last forever and uh, I'm absolutely convinced we are very close now to Jesus coming back very close but, and the Bible talks about before he comes there will be a lot of things happening and we're seeing that all over the world people are being shaken but in the midst of it we're seeing God do things like never before so just a little bit of my background. Um, I used to be farming up north, and, but just felt the call of God on my life. And so I uh, got involved in YWAM for a number of years, got married to Anne amongst that. We've got four, four sons, and the other day was our 12th grandchild. So whoops, I think there's going to be the limit. <laughs> but... Um, and. And then, after some time, I started the work at Grace City. It was called Green Lane Christian Centre then. And before I started, one of the things that happened was God gave me two visions. So it was in the daytime, suddenly this clear picture came. And the first one, I saw it spoke about relational connections, close-knitted relationships. And then about two or three weeks later, another vision came and that spoke about things going in random directions but connecting. And, and that left me puzzled what those two things meant. But as I journeyed through my time with Grace City, which was nearly 30 years, I built relationships with key people. And as I journeyed with these people, I started to see the uniqueness that God carried in their lives. And more and more I got involved in walking with them to see outworked whatever it would be. So I want to tell you the story. Um, so we've got my PowerPoint, is that? Whoop, we need to go back a bit. <laughs> right. So. Which way do I point this thing? I've got to turn it on first, isn't it? <laughs> that? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So one of them was with this lady, Barbara. She's 92 now. And for the last seven years, she's been under palliative care. And... Uh, Really, she should have died many times over. <laughs> Several times the doctor said to, you, to her, I don't think you'll survive through the night. She's still trucking. 
But she got a, a role as a patient rep with the Ministry of Health. Of course, she was in and out of hospital and things. She had been a nurse, been in nurse management, and she became part of the Ministry of Health end-of-life care policy development group. And, and Barbara is quite articulate. She can speak quite clearly into these meetings. And this group was grappling with how do we care with people when they're in those last stage of life? And the group had no answer. With the growing bubble, the, the reduced uh, resources, there was no answer. And in the middle of that group, this is a secular group, God spoke to it right in the middle of it and said, basically, the Christians will be the answer. So she came and saw me. <laughs> and that started a journey that we've been tracking down. And... Uh, I've left a, a banner out the front and some brochures that will tell the story. So the brochure looks like that. And it's how to bring hope to people in the end of life um, journey. So this has taken some time, but we're getting closer. We're putting together an e-learning course because we want to equip people how to walk alongside somebody and just journey with them, regardless of what that person believes. Another person I met was this fellow. And uh, Wonga, he had just come out of, back from Fiji. His story was, when he was 10 years old, that's him and his family, um, when he was 10 years old, his father spoke to him and said, when you grow up, I want you to get educated and come back and bring freedom to our people. The Fijian people in Fiji, they own all the land, but they live in poverty. And this calling was on him. And so he came to New Zealand, got trained in IT, and started, um, worked in New Zealand overseas, and then he went back to Fiji. And when he was in Fiji, he started putting into action big picture stuff. He's a somebody that can see the big picture and he was starting to do it. But he was linked to the opposition party and the government deemed him a threat. So they put him in prison for five years. And when I met him, it was just after he had got out of prison, he came straight back to New Zealand. He was one crushed man. All that vision, I tried to do it and now look what's happened. And it's taken some years of just journeying together to see that raised up. Since Christmas, the government has been changed. The former government was driven by a Muslim man and really promoting Islam. And, but now this new government, uh, and this, this is for a strategy for the whole of Fiji, it has just opened up. And Brian came on a, um, a Zoom session a little while ago, about a month ago, wasn't it, Brian? It's way, way more now than that. Potentially, this will touch the agriculture sector right across the country, maybe 30,000 or 40,000 farmers in Fiji, even to the very remote islands. And uh, one of the key things is getting um, sugar syrup rather than the sugar crystals but they're going to do a whole range of stuff. 
and it's bringing out all the special skills that he has as an IT person. That's been the key. And so here's this broken man. As I started journeying alongside him, I started to realize what God had put in his heart. This here, on the top left, is the symbol of the now the current government in Fiji. It's a dove. What does that cloud look like? This formed in the sky when that party was having a political rally before the election. Does that say something? This is God's time for Fiji. Something else God put in my heart many years ago was we were going to see something happen in Fiji, then it will happen in Tonga, and then it will happen in New Zealand. Things are just happening in Fiji right now. And there's just an open door. I met another man while working at Grace City. And this is a Sri Lankan man, but he's an accountant in Zambia. And Anthony, of all the people I've met, I've never met someone with such a passion for the needy. Now, he manages a company of about 130 staff. He's the managing partner. He's also on the board for the PKF, the firm for the whole of Africa. But his heart is for the needy. He cares about the brokenhearted. And from him, so Zambia right in the middle of Africa to sort of the south end, and he lives in the bottom province, southern province, near the Victoria Falls. And this year I'm taking a team back. Now, Anthony and I started meeting up in 2011, and every time he came back to New Zealand, because he settled his family in New Zealand thinking he would live here, but then he realized his heart was in Zambia. We've got to make a difference for the people, the needy people. And so he started commuting, kept working with the accounting firm and been commuting. And every time he came back, we would meet up and started praying together. And in 2019, I went there and experienced what he's doing. And it's just staggering. This one guy with a heart and so many others now being drawn in. This here, I don't know if it will run. It's, uh, no, it didn't. It's, um, he has a farm. And on the farm, he has an area which he's designated as the prayer mountain. And the, the village kids and everything come to this area. And, and this is a time with the village kids. He has another program for the mentally disturbed. And in Zambia, if someone's got a mental condition, they're considered demon-possessed and they're isolated. These guys often, there's no food. They've got to get out of the rubbish bins. Some of them were sleeping in, in drain pipes. They're just abandoned people. And so he started a feeding program. That's him there with the tie. He, on the farm, he wants to grow it as a model farm. And, he, and because of the level that he is, he's able to work with the chiefs. And we want to set this farm up so that we can bring the, the young people from all around the different villages and train them in better practices in farming. Because the way that farming in Zambia is depleting the soil. A lot of it now is being eroded, crops are dropping. 
and we need to replenish the soil. So he's teaching this. So they have a rainy season from December through to, should be April, but this year the rain has stopped early. So those crops that were looking flourishing are just drying up. So what he's trying to do is get solar power uh, borehole water for irrigation. And that's a major challenge financially to get this together so we can then train all year round uh, the young people from these villages. Another person I got walking with was a retired man who went to see a prisoner in prison. And when he came out of prison, sitting in the bus stop, God spoke to him and said, there has to be a better way of taking care of prisoners. And that started another journey. This one has struggled a bit, but we can see setting up really like a matrix of support to come around um, prisoners when they come out to be supported. Then another area. Now if you start to think end of life care, Fiji, Zambia, end of prisoner, Papara, which is a, where I brought the farm up north. The Bible said, God spoke to me and said there'll be deep relationships that will go off in different directions. I think that's quite uh, quite varied. Up there, I've become very involved with their little church in the last, um, since May, really, isn't it? It's, and we're just seeing, God is just changing that place. This is the moment for that church. But now I've got involved with another church in Paiata, down in Taurua area. And the same thing is starting to happen. And it's just coming alongside these people. But one of the things when I had that vision, there was a sense that something was going to link them all together. All of these different things going off in different directions were going to be linked. And this is what it's been, the Discovery Bible Study. If someone can understand this form of Bible study, they will be ideal for walking alongside those who are dying. Same mindset. In Fiji, there's another chap that's been working at this for some years, and now it's become a movement. And they have about 130 groups spreading across from the western side of Fiji, out into some of the islands. And we're going to see the merger of the two things, what Wong is doing and what this is happening, linked together. So this will be right across the country, these, these groups multiplying. Very different to the traditional um, way, which is not having an impact on the community. These will have major impact and already are. Oops, it's gone ahead. So I'm just seeing this thing. In Zambia, I've been working, doing it online from here, working with a guy called Daniel, and we're on the edge of this now just taking off. I can see it that these groups, these Discovery Bible Study, just spreading, because it's such a communal society. They're just going to spread in every direction. But I'm seeing the same thing happening up in Papara, up north, and now down in Paiata. And, it's, and the reason why it's such a key, it's because it's not about a teacher. The simpler, the better. It's very, very simple. 
It's about discovering together. And as people come around the Word of God, the, God, the Word of God is speaking for itself. It doesn't need a teacher to come in. People are learning together. For the Zambians, they're so used to a teacher teaching. It's the whole education, schools, everybody. And to, for a student to ask a question, that's not good. But, and so this is such a different mindset. But they are getting into it and enjoying it. And in one area where we have a training centre, there's about 50-odd students who, who come into the training centre and they're going into their home communities and, and just spreading it. When the team goes in August, it will be really helping this. The other thing with my friend Anthony, he, he is also the president of the YMCA across the country. This gives him access to the whole youth of the nation. He's also the vice president of the Chamber of Commerce. So that gives him access to the government and to the, um, all the business sector. My friend Wonga is a personal friend of the new Prime Minister in Fiji. He knows several of the people in Cabinet. We have access to the, the top level and we can talk to them and we're going to see these groups just spread in every direction. And, uh, and I can see from what's happening up in Paparo and here, these things can spread through Auckland as well. And now the time, because when people are needy, when they're struggling, that's when if they, someone would sit down with them and say, let's look at a few verses together, and God speaks, this will be the time. Yeah. So that's, that's the one on that. Okay. Just really wanting to bring encouragement. And again, if ever there's a day we need to understand it's, and what we need to understand is that Jesus loves us. Imagine most will know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Paul, in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, he prayed that the Ephesians might grasp, comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so he's praying that this revelation would come, that God's love would come so real to people. And to me, the greater the hardship, what I'm seeing over and over, the greater the hardship, the greater is going to be God's grace. But it's got to come by revelation. God's got to speak it to us right into our spirit that we know that he loves us. Not just something we hear, but it's become something very personal. And that's what changes us, knowing him and his love. And so I'd like to just pray before I go any further. And as we pray, I want you to just imagine if Jesus is standing right in front of you. Full of love, full of kindness. I want you to just try and picture that for a moment. Jesus standing here in front of you. As if nobody else matters, it's just Jesus and you. Lord, please bring this revelation 
of your love right now. Right now to us. Of you just being right here. And as you picture his love for you, how do you respond? Because what he's wanting is our total yielding of ourselves. Total submission. Lord, you have control. And because he loves us, he knows what's best. Just try to picture that for a moment. Jesus just reaching out to you, but you now responding. Heavenly Father, I just pray, let your spirit move and bring encouragement to every person in Jesus' name. Amen. So, passage that's really spoken to me over the years is this one in 1 Peter, where it says, These troubles test your faith and prove that it's pure. And such faith is worth more than gold. Gold can be proved to be pure by fire. Um, but gold will ruin. When your faith is proven to be pure, the result will be praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ comes. And this is the day we're living in. Day when Jesus wanted to come back. But it's a day of struggle, a day of hardship, a day when many people's faith is just wilting. But those that will experience Jesus, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be totally changed, filled with his love. And as Paul prayed that we would comprehend more and more the wonder of this. That of, of him coming and seeing him and that's the day we're living in and you'll see the people those who do not have this revelation they will wilt they will fail but those who Jesus comes real to they will flourish which is why I wanted to tell you about the people that I'm working with because they each one is an increasing revelation of God's love it just, he's just coming so real to them. And then the unique purpose that God has ordained for them is being released. I love this verse. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. When I look around here, you're all different. God has molded you differently. <coughs> we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if I came up to you and said, what has God planned in your life? What would be your answer? The tragedy is so many Christians live their whole life, they can go to church, whatever, but never know the uniqueness of what God has called them for. Or it's like somebody I was talking to very recently and their passion when they were young was to write write poems, write things, just love writing. 
But when they were very young at school, a teacher criticised and condemned them for the way they wrote. And it shut it down. To shut down that whole calling in their life. My friend Wonga could have got shut down when he got stuck in prison for five years. Trying to outwork, he could have said, it's, it's hopeless. So the calling was there. And it got buried. And I see many people like that. But in each one of you, because that's what the Word of God says, God has put a unique purpose. It's not the same. It's unique. And he wants to release it. Now, you might be an IT person. You might be this. You might be an old retired lady. But God has a special purpose. And, and he wants to bring it out and into its fullness in ways beyond what you could imagine. When I was farming, I would often walk around the farm and, and Ephesians 3.20 got a hold of me, the verse after the revelation of his love. Out of that revelation, God can do far more than we can imagine. So I'd walk around the farm imagining all kinds of things, not worrying if it ever happens, which is good. <laughs> and so I'd rejoice in this and rejoice in that as a possibility not understanding the principle of what I was doing, I was opening up my heart for God to do something. Because it's his power working on us, not my ability. It's his power that's going to outwork the uniqueness. So can we take the lid off our lives? Because this world will squeeze you into a mould and say, your life can only do this. And something you might have had as a dream, like that person with writing, you've decided, no, that will never happen. And it's shut down. That's got to be cleansed. So you're living with this hope of the uniqueness of what God's called you for. As I said, this is our day. And this verse needs to grip every one of us. When Jesus gives a command, he expects us to follow it through and outwork it. And he commanded his disciples, and he said this to them, he said, he came to them and spoke and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that have I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. And what's the last words? Even to the end of the age. The disciples, they have long died. This verse is for us. We're right at the end of the age. And this verse is as much for us as it was for them. So the command of Jesus over us is to go and make disciples. And that's what I love through the Discovery Bible Study. The simplicity and the structure of it enables that to happen. So here I'm working online with this guy in Zambia and he's taking it and he's going to these other people and it's starting to multiply out. In Fiji, it's very, very poor village people just spreading. There's a simplicity but we're making disciples. We're training people. People becoming absolutely 
open to the word of God and the word of God speaking to them and they are obeying it and then they are going and doing the same and those people are doing the same. But one of the things I found, and this might seem strange to suddenly pop up, is Jesus has all authority. All authority. But often we feel like we've got no authority. Why I put that in there was because on the farm we had a horse. And it was a dopey horse. And one time when I was trying to chase a bull with it, it slipped upside down. And I, luckily I wasn't crushed. It was, it was hard to get to run properly and anything. Anyway, the kids at the camp we had on the farm apparently were throwing stones at it. And so one day when I was walking across the paddock where the horse was, it came right up at me. And I knew how to handle a bull. But I never handled a horse when it reared up. So I backed up only for the horse to come again and rear up. And I backed up a bit further. It did it five times. By the fifth time, I was over the fence. <laughs> because I didn't know how to handle it. And I felt dominated. And so we got the horse off into a paddock because whenever we went into the paddock, it would come straight at us. So we put it off into a paddock by itself and we didn't go in that paddock. But one day my brother-in-law came and he had handled horses a bit and so we told him about the problem. And he said, oh, no problem, give me a bridle. And Anne was with me and so we got the bridle for him and went down to the paddock. He went through the fence, we stayed on the other side. <laughs> and he, was, he kept walking out into the paddock and the horse was down one end, didn't see him until he was right out in the middle. But as soon as it saw him, it came pelting up at him. And, and he sort of stood his ground and it swerved past and went off, turned around and it came a second time and ran past him. And then the third time, you could see its eyes were glaring and said she couldn't watch anymore because he was right out in the middle of the paddock. She thought, this thing's going to kill him. And it was pouring at the ground, his eyes were blazing. And it took off and went straight at him. So he's out in the middle of the paddock. Just all he had was the bridle. So he rushed it. He also went towards the horse. And this thing's coming full barrel straight at him. And, and you could see it. It was going to mow him down. And but a few, probably about as far as Anna's away, it suddenly went down on its knees and stumbled past him and came up to the fence where we were on the other side <laughs> and we knew it was beaten. And that spoke to me. See, I didn't know the authority I had and I got intimidated and it totally dominated over me. Whereas my brother-in-law, Andrew, he knew the authority. He knew that horse would bow. It was a pretty stern test, but he knew <laughs> What am I trying to say? In the world we're living in, there are so many more powers that are trying to dominate, trying to threaten, trying to say, don't you dare do this or that. We're everywhere now. And so what is happening? Many, many Christians are isolating. They're feeling powerless. They're going on the other side of the fence. <laughs> we don't want to take this on. And becoming silenced. 
But Jesus has given us a command. And he has all authority. And when we submit to an authority, we take on that. For instance, if I went out in the busiest street and tried to stop the traffic, what would happen? Probably get run over. But if we had the smallest person here who was in the police with the uniform on and they walked out, what happens? Put their hand up, everybody stops. I have influence. I can shout, I can wave my arms, but no authority. Police person carries authority. So what do we carry? What do we carry? Let's put that together. God has made each of you unique for a purpose. You're not an accident. You were designed specially for a purpose. And because God designed it and God intended it, there is no power on earth that can stop it. And that's why I know the different areas that I'm working on, these things are going to happen because God has spoken. There's no power that can stop it. It's just going to happen. And so we keep tracking down. And with my mate Anthony in Zambia, when we were praying one day, we both of us really clearly felt God put in our hearts we were going to see 100,000 people mobilized. And I can see how that can happen through his connections and through us doing this Discovery Bible study. 100,000 people mobilized. We're then going to have an influence in the whole country for the glory of God. So you are designed uniquely. God gives you authority, but are we being dominated by the horse? Are we backing off? Are we finding ourselves powerless? Or are we being reaffirmed? We, we can take this. We can see this accomplished. And it will be different with each person. But you need to know what it is. So the first thing is we need to know that Jesus loves us. He's with us. The second thing is he has a purpose. And then what is that purpose? Once that's clear, share it with some people. Share it with them so they can encourage you. They can support you. They can stand with you. So the day comes when you can say, it is finished what God has purposed for my life. It is finished. Jesus said it. The cross, it is finished. That's Jesus. Apostle Paul said it also. I've run the race. I have finished what God purposed. Can we say it? When our time comes, we have finished the race that God ordained for me. It might mean nothing to somebody else, but it needs to be everything for you. Can we just bow and pray? I just want you to open your heart to what is that purpose? You could be that person who something's happened and that purpose has been shut down. You might not have been put in prison for five years, but the vision is shut down and it needs to be ignited, needs to be released. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment. What are you living for?
So Lord, as we just come before you, I thank you for your spirit speaking into the heart of each person here and making alive the uniqueness of their calling. So nothing stops. Nothing stops this being outworked and you being glorified, your name being exalted. And even like we heard before, the people people really in the byways and the highways, people just in great difficulty coming to the revelation of your great love. And so we just commit all of this to you and I just pray your blessing upon this congregation for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.